Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Discussion with a Friend. I'm Jay. How y'all doing, man? It's Rob. Welcome back. Yeah, we're back with another episode. Sorry for missing last week. We had a couple things going on. Anyways, we have a special guest coming on here, one of our best friends, Kenneth Marina. I'm going to let Ronnie speak on that a little bit more. Yeah, uh, he's a real good guy. He's about to get married soon. Um, He's a supply chain buyer, Um, so I'm sure he'll speak a little bit more about his career and whatnot. But yeah, I haven't talked to bro in a minute, so I'm sure it'll be a good time. Good conversation. I'm excited. So anyways, without further introduction, Kenneth Marina. Let's get into it, man. Before we even get started with you, we're going to touch on the Deshaun Watson situation like right now instead of holding off and waiting until the podcast. So just a few quick updates. So uh, they had a press conference today. Tony Busby and um, I guess one of the accusers, she finally gave her name out and she was talking about Deshaun Watson and what he did, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to lie. It's not looking too good for him at all. It's actually looking horrible. But once again, it's innocent of proving guilty. But, man, I'll just say that and I'm going to let y'all talk. For me, it's like that's my that's my boy. And I was all the way over here on his side. And I was like, it's a possibility they could have done it. But now I'm all right here. Like smack dab in the middle. It's like, oh, bro, you might have you might have really did it. So right. I'll let y'all talk about it. Okay, well, I mean, I'll just to, to just to reiterate my point from the last uh, episode. I don't have any real kind of ties to him. That's not my favorite player, so it really okay. wouldn't affect me either way. But I mean, it's still, you know, he's a person of color and, you know, it's still someone that has a lot of influence. But all I said was, if there was one, if it came out even true that one of these and, and none of this has been proven true yet, Fact. but. Now we actually got to see, you know, the woman and she got to tell her side of the story. Uh, I'm not going to lie. That second lady that spoke, the blonde uh, lady. The one that she read? That Man, morning girl she bro, read? Like, yeah. yeah, that letter she read. That was that was tough. Ah, like that's hard to fake. Like that just feels very hard to fabricate that. And just going off the way she was looking when she was doing it, like, you know, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. Like. It's not looking good for him. And, and and then another point that the lawyer brought up, uh, one of the 18 massage therapists that Deshaun Watson's lawyer uh, brought out to the public was talking about how she's massaged him multiple times and yeah. she never had an issue with him. And then they saw uh, private DMs from her saying something totally different. Yeah. So really? right now it's, it's, yeah, right now it's just looking like a big failed PR stunt. Yes. And so that's not looking good for Watson at all, bro. I just got to say one thing, bro. I'm 0-2 on quarterbacks. Well, 0-3, really, because you see the Steelers flag back here. Big Ben was accused of rape. Peyton Manning had some sexual assault stuff going on. And now the sound Watson. That's all but, but bro, three. I, I just want to say this. Like, this is, like, to the extreme. Like, it is, oh, oh, 100%. Yeah, this, like, this is this all is these women unthinkable, bro. Cause dang, cause the thing is, these these are only the women that came out. So it's like, man, if even one of these are true, like I said, that's all I would need to know. Cause who knows how many, who knows how long this has been going on. Yeah, like, bro. And the lawyer so says the that there was. The lawyers also said there was like five other women that yeah, came in that didn't want to represent. And there was a yeah. criminal complaint uh, as of Friday. So yeah, that's, I think that's there's like Houston. two or three of those now. That's how, that's how Houston uh, PD is involved. Investigation. Mm-hmm. Not looking good, bro. 
but looking good. Anyways, man, we just had to we just had to update y'all just out of respect for the women and respect for Watson as well. Cause I mean, we were so quick to, you know, hop on when we first heard the information. So we're we're gonna leave it alone now that we've heard, I mean, you guys heard what we thought before this, and now that we have this information, we're gonna leave it alone until they literally figure it out. So if that's five, six months from now, that's when we'll bring it up on the podcast from now on. No more Deshaun Watson stuff. All right. Anyways, let's get right into it, bro. Kenny. My boy Kenny, bro. First of all, how you doing? How you doing today, bro? Man, cannot complain at all, bro. Can't complain. Feeling good. That, how y'all doing? I'm good, bro. I'm good, man. I'm excited I'm for this podcast. I feel like we missed. Uh, well, last week we had a, you know, we had a, a real reason why we missed. You know, a lot of people don't know, which we don't need to get into. But uh, yeah, we just right. we just had to, you know, take a little break. We back though. We back and we're ready to go. So, Kenny, let's get it. You know that you're a supply chain buyer. Can you explain a little bit more mm-hmm. of like what's your day to day and what that actually is? Because I know, but I don't know. A lot of people have misconceptions when it comes to the title supply chain or supply chain buyer or anything like that. They think it's just all okay. You're buying products and that's it. Uh, it's a lot more to it. I'm always working with all the different departments in the company. Um, I'm always working with project management, always working with accounting, always working with engineers, always working with the builders. So I'm literally touching like every single part of the company. Um, so obviously the big part of my job is buying the products, um, but it's got to be cost efficient and it has to be on time. And those are the two biggest driving forces in supply chain. And also we have to um, worry about all the inventory that is stocked up because you do pay taxes on that every single year. You pay um, back taxes on it because you don't pay taxes for it when it comes in. Um, and so I'm touching every single part of the business. I'm not just buying products. I'm liaisoning between every department. Uh, every day I get like 300 emails a day. <laughs> I'm probably on the phone half of my day. It's a, it's a lot of work to do. Yeah, man, I seen I seen like when you, you know, usually you'll send me a snap like once a week. Papers this big, mm-hmm. higher to a desk and stuff, bro. That that yeah, that's that's the accounting stack that I get. If any invoices come in that are wrong, we have to fix it before it can be processed. Um if it was any special situation, we have to know about it um before the invoice gets processed. So we're very involved in every single aspect of the business. How did you get to that point? Yeah, yeah. Like, how did you get into steps? this? Yeah. Um, it kind of actually happened by chance. Give I us was a, a bunch of. I don't mean to cut you off, but give us a backstory of what you originally wanted to do because I think this is important because it was nothing like what you're doing right now. <laughs> it was nothing like this at all. Yeah. I wanted to be a corporate lawyer, um, in high school, and I really wanted to do that. I'm a very detail-oriented person, which I'll get into a little bit later. How that ties into supply chain, um. But yeah, I wanted to be a lawyer um, coming out of high school. I was really into politics. I was really into law, but then I kind of gave up on that after a while because I dropped out of college. Um, and then I was working a bunch of like warehouse jobs. I worked at Starbucks for a little bit. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, so I just started applying to like a bunch of office jobs, just trying to get into the door somewhere. Uh, so I applied to a bunch of different jobs. Uh, SVI International called me back. That's where I worked at IndyCal before I got this new job. 
And the interview, interview went well. I thought I really wouldn't get the job. And then she called me back and she was like, to be honest, I'm going to hire you. Uh, you have no office experience. Uh, you have no purchasing experience. And I want to go with this other girl. Uh, but God is telling me to literally hire you. Um, so she showed a lot of it's a, it was a huge blessing. Wow. So she showed a lot of faith in in, in that uh, when she hired me. And so then I was when I first started out, I was literally just sorting papers. I was sending out their faxes. I was sorting through emails. I was expediting orders, uh, making sure that they came in on time. All the stuff that normal supply chain buyers don't like doing during the day. I was doing all that. And then like a month into it, she's like, okay, I see that you're really on top of all your work duties and stuff. I'm going to see if, you know, you can handle some more responsibilities. And so I started uh, doing all the inventory for the machine shop that we had in-house. So I was buying all the raw material for that. So I started to get some uh, actual buying experience doing that. And then uh, after a while, I started forecasting their jobs, making sure that the shop is moving along efficiently. We started making like record sales when I took over uh, okay. purchasing for that role. Are going crazy. And so that's that's really where I got my love for supply chain. I really do love what I do which is a blessing to say, because there's a lot of people out there that don't like going to work every day. Um, but that's really where my love for supply chain came from, is just doing the, the gritty work first. And then after that, finding out how it ties into every aspect of the company. That's what's up, man. Now, since you said you dropped out of school, we're going to touch on that too, because you know you played basketball in college, so I want to discuss that a little bit. But... Mm-hmm. When you when you dropped out of school, what steps did you like necessarily take to get to supply chain buying? Like, cause that's not something you could just be like, all right, I'm gonna just hop right into this. Like, you had to know somebody or know something about it first, right? No, it was lit- it was literally just the job opportunity that she gave me. That's and I, I knew nothing about supply chain. I had no supply chain mentors. Um, I just wanted to get into the door somewhere and show that I could that I could be a good worker, basically. Because, I mean, it was a dark place for me at that time. I couldn't find stable work. Um, all my friends were in college still, living their best life. I'm doing overnight shift at Target, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. on the weekends. Um, so I was in a very dark time uh, at that time. So I just really wanted to get in the door somewhere. And so I really just had to work my way up from expediting orders and just faxing out papers to showing and proving that I could handle a bigger workload and that I was smart enough to navigate through all that. And then I just kept excelling in that. Uh, I was there at SVI for two years, and then I just wanted bigger and better, basically. So I started applying uh, to bigger roles um, in the suburbs. Um, and so I got that, uh, I interviewed at BBS automation. It was a very challenging interview. They asked a lot of pressing questions that I didn't really know the answer to. And a lot of the time I just had to tell them, I literally don't know the answer to that. I was just being super honest with them. Yeah. And the interview process took like two to three weeks. Uh, so I didn't think I would get that one. Yeah, he was stressing, yeah. boy. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I was I was stressing through that a lot because 
No, because, yeah, I really was because I really wanted the job so bad because I knew um, I could perform at a higher level than what I was actually doing. Uh, so I finally got the offer letter. I finally got that job. Um, and I've been there now for a year and a half. So it's all going well. Okay. So you've been there for a year and a half. So talk a little bit about like the environment there. So like, is it more so individualistic? Like you're working on your own during the days or, you know, is there aspects where you have to work with a big team? You know, I know you say you're liaisoning, you know, with companies and and whatnot. So is that Mm -hmm. something you would do by yourself or you have a partner or something? And then also talk about uh, the diversity and inclusion there. Like as a black man, do you feel like you're, you know, well represented there? You know, like that's that's on, you know, that's really the no yeah. to, to talk about. No, I hear you. <laughs> that's why he just gave you that look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's but, why yeah. that's why I had to all right, but going uh back to your first question. Um there's only two buyers in the whole company, just me and someone else, and then we have our supply chain manager who has a whole bunch of different job duties. And so on a day to day basis, I I really work on my own. I have to set my own schedule. I have to know what I'm doing throughout the day. So I'm not being managed per se throughout the day. Um, But yeah, we're each buyer is assigned to a project and each project has a set team of mechanical engineers, electrical engineers, control engineers, uh, mechanical builders, electrical builders. And so when you're on a project, you know who your team is and we have when a project gets to a certain stage, you have daily um, huddle meetings um, with your team. So I'm doing meetings basically every day when the projects are in uh, the proper stages for huddle meetings. And so, yeah, I am, I'm not just working by myself at a desk. I'm going to meetings, um, liaisoning with different departments and all that. And then for your second question, there's uh, no diversity whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) It's, and it's frustrating because I'm extremely proud of where I've gotten to. And I remind myself, I, I try to remind myself of that every day when I walk through those doors, that it's not common for a person like me who looks like me to have the opportunity that I do have. And so I'm extremely grateful for that. But there's no one in that building that looks like me. Mm. It's all it's all white folks. There's a few uh, Hispanics, but they're not really in the office. They're more in the in the shop location. And so in the office is really, I'm the only minority there. Wow. So you now to touch on that, just that point. Do you think? Because I actually had a conversation with uh, my coworker about this as well. Do you think there's nobody in your position that is the same color of you because they don't want the job or because they aren't given the opportunity? For me, for example. At first, I was leaning towards that it was because they weren't given the opportunity, but I could personally say of all of all the schools I went to, I went to three different colleges. Out of all the engineering classes I've had, I've probably had maybe 10 total of where I've seen African-American men in those classes. So it does get to the point where it's like, is it is it us not wanting the job or is it that we're not giving the opportunity? So I just want to hear what you got to say about that. Wait, wait, can I say something first, though? I'm going to just say this, then y'all go back to this, though. But when you talk about how there's not that many in, like, that kind of field, that just makes me go back to, like, 
when I was in taking like advanced classes, like advanced language arts, AP classes, like mm-hmm. it's me, me, y'all know them all. Yeah. It's me and them all. We the only kids in the class, bro, out of the whole DHS. So it's like, how is that such like, and they start, cause you talking about college that, that was in high school. It was like that for me in middle school, you know, eighth grade, seventh grade, I'm the only black kid mm-hmm. in there. So it's like, I feel like it starts at a higher level, you know, education wise. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It was, it's like that, but uh-huh. it was the same way with uh, with our graduating class. When I was in a bunch of AP classes at DeKalb, it was only me and Eric. I don't know if you guys yeah. remember Eric Sintai yeah. or how he pronounced yeah. his last name. It was only me and him. We were the only two black kids in, in every AP class. It was, it was just yeah, crazy. I wasn't in them. I tell y'all that. I certainly wasn't in them. But look where I'm at. I just, I I'm think you good. You, 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 it, it might have a lot to do with. Since I just said that, like I was just joking and playing, but all seriousness, it probably has a lot to do that we personally, I, I know Stigma. a lot of, yeah, that, and I know a lot of black kids though, like when you younger, you don't take school as serious as yeah. some white people do because, you know, they have a, most of the time, I'm not saying this is every time, but they usually have a, both parents at home or, or a nice support system that tell them, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this, you got to do that. For us, it's like, just get through. If you get through, you you didn't already won, which it shouldn't that really too. be like that. But I think that, that could potentially be why. But I don't yeah, know. That's true. I feel like there's a stigma because uh, as a kid, like you know how it's not seen as as cool for us, really. You know, yeah, like it's definitely not. You know what I mean? Like any if you yeah, are about to books and you academically smart, you, you I was getting a, a bunch of stuff for that. You know, that's why I start playing mm-hmm. sports too. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I said I can't be out here like no Wayne. I'm saying I can't be out here like a lame. Like, <laughs> dang, I'm I'm the only one uh, getting A's and stuff. Well, I'll put it to you like this, Kenny. Do you know any other black uh, playing? I was well, going to say well, I can't see. Yeah, it. I was going to get to that. I don't know any other African American supply chain buyers. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. I network with a lot of supply chain buyers on LinkedIn, and I would probably say three to five percent of them are black men. I don't. How many women? I haven't really seen any black women as supply chain buyers. I haven't really seen any black women as. There's a lot of uh, other races, uh, women, as supply chain buyers, but I don't see black women specifically. And so I think it's both uh, that they don't want it and they're not given the opportunity. I'm sure there's a number of African-American supply chain buyers out there that would love to have the job that I have. But I think it's also on the jobs to actively look for minority em- employees. Do you guys, and I don't uh, think that they're doing enough of that. Do you guys think it's important for jobs to have diversity? Like to not, I don't want to say like force them, but like, you know, the NFL, they have like that Rooney rule where you have to uh, interview a black coach. Do you think yeah. it's, you think it should Colleges be like have that their for, quotas and stuff? Yeah. Do you know? think it should be like that for uh, jobs, or should they just be able to hire whoever they want? And this is just not just for black people though; just in general, minorities, so Hispanics, blacks, whatever you know. I think it is important for them to. Go ahead. We still can hear you, bro, and see you. Oh my bad, my yeah, you my probably... screen closed for some reason. You're all good, man. But I think it is important for them to actively look for minority employees um, 
because we spend a lot of, especially on the corporate America level, we spend a lot of time at work at the office. And so if that's what you're seeing eight, nine, 10, 11 hours a day, that's mostly what you're going to view as important people. Basically, oh, that's fast, are the people bro. that you work with are the people that you deem as smart, that you deem as qualified, incredible. So I think it's very important for especially office jobs and higher level jobs to uh, promote and push for my uh, diversity in the workplace. Rodney. OK, yeah, to uh, piggyback off, off that, uh, I think that we should be a part of the hiring process. I think that is pretty much the biggest obstacle to, you know, corporations or whoever it might be not having enough diversity is because you have one, you know, race, particularly white people that are hiring everybody. So it's like make more, you know, minorities a part of the hiring process because, you know, there's already that, you know, unwritten bias that you're going to pick somebody that's, you know, looks like you that, you know, oh, we're, we went to the same this or we have the same, you know, beliefs like this, you know, they, you know, you're going to pick somebody that's like you. Yeah. I'm thinking nothing, and I don't think nothing is wrong with that, by the way. Don't, I don't I, think nothing's wrong yeah. with that, but I just to combat that's that, human nature. right. Yeah. To, to combat that, you have more of us a part in the, of those processes. So I feel like it has a lot to do with like HR when you get to like hiring and stuff. Cause like, even like where I'm at, they're, they, I'll give them some credit, like they're more diverse than most, but that's off the strength of it's a public university, you, you know, they're trying, it's a big school or whatever, they're trying to get money, but they still not even, you know, as diverse as they should be as far as HR goes, so. For me, um, I'm in the same boat as Kenny, because like the workers, basically when you were saying shop workers, that's what I think of everybody in like my office, you're a shop worker if you're not a higher up because that's that's how they mm -hmm. they pretty much like treat you now shop workers we're very minority i mean there's there's um there's uh indians there's mexicans there's black people there's colombians there's everything because it's my it's a minority owned business so they have a lot of minority people but when you look at the higher ups and the people that they deem important the people that they don't like fire often Every single person is white. Every single one. And to me, it's like, out of all these big companies, all this like housing stuff that's going on, all these mortgage companies, you, you can't find one black or one Mexican or one Colombian person to represent the company. And I think that's crazy because like a couple of, I want to say this is like six months ago, we have a business development lady. She's white, of course. There's nothing wrong with that once again. But she sent out stuff for, um, um, like, basically saying that we're a minority business, blah, 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 blah. And she posted pictures of the minority business, but she sent her picture. And she sent the other business development dude and the other business development dude. They're all three white people. So somebody responded saying, if you're a minority business, why does it seem like everybody in your business is not a minority? And I'm like, uh. I've been saying this for months, right. bro. I'm like, how is this even? Mm -hmm. Y'all don't think something's wrong with that. Representation is important. And George, which is the CEO of this company, I'm not working there for too much longer. So I could just say, you know, the name. It's not that big of a deal. I'm still going to be very respectful because, I mean, 
It was a job. They gave me opportunity, blah, blah, blah. But George, he looks white. So it's like he can beat a face and be fine. He's not white. He's Venezuelan or something like that. But when you look mm-hmm. white and you come across as white, they're going to accept you as white. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's very important that we do have a black person or something like that. Even with our HR lady, she's black, but she's married to him and she's not even on the website. Like when they had all the pictures up of all the higher ups, she wasn't on there. It was just white that's, people. That's different. She married to like, that's, you know, like. I'm yeah, talking that's about what I'm saying. somebody it's, like outside. You know what I mean? That's like, what makes it on. different to me. It's like you yeah. don't even really. It don't. It don't even count, right? Yeah. yeah that, that's yeah. Exactly. That's just a token employee. She's she's married right, to the CEO the slash owner or whatever. That's yeah. That's not even part of diversity. She's just there because she's associated with them. That's all that is. Man, I'm I'm glad you brought up that like we how much time we spend at work and if you constantly see one race you are going to start to think, oh, these are the people that's important and things like that. Because, you know, exactly. Those are the how, only smart people. Those are, yeah. That's how, that's how your mind works. Even when you don't want it to work like that, it, it does work like that. You start seeing people and then you'll look down on mm-hmm. your own people sometimes. And it's not something that you do on purpose, but it just, you know, naturally comes off sometimes where it's like, oh, he just like me, but her mm-hmm. or him. Wow. They've done right. this. They've done I mean, that. You, you associate that with them. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. All right, Kenny. So can we touch on um, college, touch on college a little bit and talk about your your basketball, talk about what you were majoring in originally and everything like that? All right. So I went to Carthage College uh, up in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, Originally wanted to go to Baylor down in Waco. Shout out to them uh, last night for winning the national championship, by the way. I wanted to go to Baylor. I got accepted into Baylor. That was my uh, dream school for a while, but they were just way too expensive. Uh, so then I went to Carthage in Kenosha. I was only there for a year. Um, I was on the basketball team there. What's up, Carthage? Yeah. Oh, no, Carthage was still expensive. They just threw a bunch of free money my way. And so uh, that's exactly that's a big reason why I went there. Um but I walked on the basketball team. It's a huge commitment being a college athlete. Uh, even when you're uh, just a walk-on, you're not a scholarship player or anything like that. Uh, we had practices uh, every day. We had mandatory individual workouts that we had to do. We had mandatory study halls that we went to. Uh, so our days were structured totally different than uh, the rest of our peers at the school. Um, and then the nightlife was just crazy that's part of why I dropped out I wasn't as focused and I, I can admit that I wasn't as focused as I should have been uh when I initially went to college because you've got the upperclassmen uh, on the basketball team that have their own houses and stuff off campus and so you're always worried about uh going partying and stuff instead of being in class the way you should have been so that was a that was probably the biggest factor of why I dropped out of uh Carthage but being on the basketball team was a lot of fun it was a Family atmosphere. Family atmosphere. Uh, met a lot of good friends on the basketball team because you're together uh, for so long, and you're together every day for so many hours. You just get super close to the guys that you're with. How is it that you had mandatory like study hours and stuff like that, and you still managed to mm-hmm. drop out? Like, does put that put At those the two end, together? 
at the end of the day, uh, schools can structure your day as much as they want to, but it's still um, on the individual to lock in and do what they need to do. So I really just didn't even want to do what I needed to do, to be honest. I was just finally out of the house. I was finally uh, able to do what I wanted to do for a little bit of the part of the day. And so I just kind of took that and ran with it. And I, I knew a lot of my teammates that were also struggling in school. It's really just a personal decision that you have to make to to lock in on the academic side as well. Rodney, got some? To add to that, um, what'd you learn from that? Um, what I learned from that is that in adulthood, you have to be accountable for yourself. Um, like I said, they put all the tools in my hand to be successful. They put all these rules and regulations in place, and I still found a way around it. And so that was my biggest drawback. My biggest takeaway from my time at Carthage was just being accountable. Uh, for your own actions that was the biggest thing that's solid yeah I just asked that because you know you dropped out but obviously you're successful now um but I know like a couple people that dropped out and they're not successful now. I'm not saying <laughs> you know go ahead go ahead it took me a while it took me a while to get to where I am now though for oh yeah Absolutely. He was only out of the four years. I was. He was only out of the game for like. He was only out of the game for like two years, though, right? If that. Yeah, but it felt like it feels like forever when you're going through it, though. Yeah, and that two years can be can turn into forever. Exactly. If you don't have the right mindset to turn yourself around, I could have definitely still been work. And there's nothing. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with working warehouse jobs and stuff like that. It's just not what I wanted for myself. Uh, but I could still be working overnight shift and stuff like that if I didn't want to yeah, you do want more. You want more for myself. Yeah. yeah. So it's easy to get trapped in that in that lazy lifestyle. It really is. Since we're on this uh, subject, yeah, you just did a whole lifestyle after putting it up for a second. Anyway. Oh, he kept it real. He kept it real. <laughs> I know. I'm just talking stuff, man. Since since we're on this uh, since we're on this subject, you know, we got we got two dropouts. Like, I got. I got my two associate degrees, but I didn't get my bachelor degree. That's what you was grasping for. You was grasping for the bachelor, and so was I. Then we got Rodney over here with the bachelor's degree. So we all come in. Well, both of us have come up with something else. Let's come up with something else. We're all successful, basically, at the end of the day, with what we want to do. And we're all, you know, just going to continue to grow and grow. But now that we're looking back on it, we're all out of school. We're all doing what we're supposed to do and working our asses up. Do y'all think college was worth it? And I'm talking about for academics and placement for your career i'm not talking about for friendships i'm not talking about any of that just exactly what we're talking about our placement in our career and academics do you think it's worth it that's a tough question um i'll take it first that's a tough question it does for me it depends on what field you're in so with me being in supply chain um it is easy to be a buyer without a college degree, but then after that, if you want to be a supply chain manager, if you want to be an operations manager, if you want to eventually get into VP of operations and uh, all of that, you do have to get your bachelor's at the very least. Uh, so for me, it's it's a tough question. I would say, yeah, it's worth it. 
depending on what you want to do. Well, just to, just to push back on that a little bit, if if you have if you get your bachelor's degree and that's four years of you know uh, supply chain buying, but then you have seven years of experience because you didn't go to school, don't you think that would outrank the dude that has a bachelor's degree with two years of experience? If you guys are trying to fight to get that next level job, hmm. I think with the supply chain industry um, specifically, the bachelor's degree would hold more weight um, than the experience because you can have all the experience in the world, but if you don't have the proper education that the hiring manager wants you to have, then it doesn't really matter what experience you have. That's interesting because it's, it's totally different for like engineering. It's well, I could say not for all engineering, every engineering is a little bit different, but for computer engineering and like software development and software engineering, you don't really have to have no degree. And that's why I kind of was like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm going to get out of here because I was getting to the point where I'm learning all this stuff, bro. It's a bunch of stuff I don't care about learning about resistors and blah, 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 putting DC power supply together, building this and building that. Like I'm thinking to myself, it's like, I don't even want to do this, but I want to program. That's that's what I'm into. I'm wasting my time sitting here. So I jumped out, mm -hmm. jumped out and got a job. And I think that is way more important than college. So if I can go back and just wipe away all four years of college and then use four years to learn code and nothing else, I think, bro, right now I could easily say right now, if I did that, I would be making, I would say right now about at least 130K just, just from that job, not anything else, just from that job. Because that's how fast you can move outside of school if you're learning by yourself when you're doing like engineering or anything like that. Now, in terms of, like you said, another job, I would say nursing or becoming a doctor, a dentist. Yeah, it's important, but I wouldn't say as much as it is important. Like it's not that important for my career path, I would say. I think experience is better. Okay. I feel that. Um, I mean, I have a different viewpoint solely off the face of I didn't go into college. Uh, I went in undecided, so I didn't actually know what I wanted to do when I was there. I just know I wanted to go to school. You know, I wanted to get a degree. Um, so I ended up choosing communications, media studies. Um, I really didn't like get into that major until I want to really say that senior year, because that's when I started taking uh, the classes for, you know, my honors program. And they were like directly related to the major or whatever, like the course uh, requirements and stuff. Um, so, but I'll say that, because you said not for like relationships and stuff, but I'll say like it was necessary for like, like growth for like character development almost like oh, to absolutely. like get my to get my work ethic like set in stone because like, yeah, in, in high school, I was a good student or whatnot, but my work ethic was terrible. Like I never studied. I never, you know, I did stuff last minute or whatever. I was getting off, you know, solely off of me just being good at taking tests and having a real good memory. Um, but when I, like I said, I brought this up before on a past episode, when I got in there, you know, I almost lost my scholarship because similar to what Kenny was talking about, I was partying. You know, I wasn't, 
My mom wasn't on me 24-7. She used to check my grades every morning, you know. She wasn't there, like, on the Skyward, like, for real, for real. But she wasn't there, so, like, I'm missing classes. You know, I'm, I'm you know, uh, not turning stuff in on time or, or whatever. You know, I might not go to the office hours or whatever it might be. So that really built my work ethic. And then I'll say this to, like, relate to you, Jaquan. She was saying if you would have known like what you knew now, like about that and had the experience or whatever, you would have traded that. But I feel like you wouldn't have been able to really build that experience because a lot of people like think about yourself coming out of high school and then going into college, all them years of college. And then now, like you went through a lot during that time period, like school, like learning all that stuff, taking the time to learn all that stuff, study, do all that. Like you said, resistors, all that stuff. You would have never done that. You know, on your own. Can you really just say that you would have done that on your own? I almost can. Just just based off, this is like my passion. So I let it do. And I've been like working on websites since I was but a how freshman did you, in high school. But how did, how did you know that though? Since I was like a freshman in high school, I've been working on computers and I, I built right. my first computer when I was in eighth grade. So for me, it's like, I know right. I love this. But what, so, did you, what, did you go to high, what did you go to college for then? I went to college for computer engineering. I thought those were things that you got to do. Honest to God, I thought, I'm, and, and my mom went to my mom went to school. Yeah, everybody, I mean, that's that's just. But how you even said you you even said you wasn't like that. Like you didn't really care about high school and stuff. I, like I didn't. That. That's because high school you live with your mom, like you said. So it's like I'm. I'm but be, that's my I'm point. Be, I'm gonna be good was, college. college was what made you. College was what made you be like. I gotta. This is all me. I have to nah, care because this, I'm paying money. I'm paying money. Nah, because I'm paying money. And I want to get this degree because I think this degree is going to help me with my career. So that made you buckle down, whether you wanted to or not, whether you but did I don't know or not. Those, I don't know if it's because of that. I honestly don't. Because, like, as soon as I graduated, but it happened, I mean, the though. next day I, I moved. I moved out and got my own apartment. So it's like I can't rely on mom no more. I know if I live with mom, right. I, I'm, I'm straight. But after that, it's like, all right, now I got to mm-hmm. actually lock in because I never thought I was dumb. I just thought my priorities was messed up because, I, you know, I was worried about girls dancing and Sports, uh, that's all I care about. I didn't care about all the other stuff because I had the I had the the opportunity to not care. But once you know you move right. out, you don't got that no more. I do see what you're but saying. When you, but when I, you go into school, I'm saying when you go into school though, what are you thinking of? You can't jag these classes, you can't not do whatever you're talking that's about. Facts. You can't that's facts. Do all that stuff because you're paying for that and you want to get that degree because you think it's gonna help you in your career. That's facts. So I'm, I'm not, saying I'm all that, that stuff. What I'm arguing is I'm that saying it, it's I might not have to do it. That I might not like. I might have been fine without it. That's that's my argument. But that is 100. Yes, yeah, I can if, see that. If we throw that all together, hell yeah, college is worth it, bro. I'm not gonna lie. Like the 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 character development, the the relationships, the everything. Absolutely. But I was just talking uh, right. about just for like our jobs. That that alone. But if we throw it all together, hell yeah. It bro. only. But that and that that only works if you know what you wanted to do, like y'all did. But I didn't know what I wanted to do. I still don't necessarily know what I want to do. That's what I'm saying. Like, but there's a lot of kids, more more kids that don't know what they want to do. That's going into college, than they do. That's why they have it to be undecided in there. You know, you can do that for up to two years. You, that's why you got people switching majors all the time. You know, but ultimately, you know, you're gonna take away whatever you're trying to get out of it. Yeah. You know. Just like anything else, though. It was it was fun. I'll say that. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Because I, I, I'll be yeah, honest. I don't, I don't think that I don't I don't think that 
the four years I got honors, all that stuff. I don't really think that that would help me in like to get the job I had. Now nah, I didn't need that. That's so, that's my point. That's what I was basing. No, on. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, but but my thing was I didn't go into college like I want to be this. So it's like not like when I got out, I was like, oh, I needed to be this, so it didn't work because I I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I really was just trying to get my degree and then parlay that into a you know respectable career based off my interests. But I didn't have it like I want to do this when I'm, you know, done. I'm on this track, you know. What are you so. saying, Kenny? I was going to piggyback off of a point that uh, I forgot which one of you guys made it. Uh, but you guys are talking about character development and getting your priorities in check and all that. That can easily happen outside of the college realm. Oh, yeah. That happened for me when, when I first got my job at SVI. So you don't really need college for that per se but it does help for sure hey i just to throw in another one i know we didn't plan to talk about college but i mean this is kind of interesting to me uh i think college would be way easier and acceptable for people like us like our age and i'm not saying us like black men i'm saying us like our age of men if if they told us the truth and just kept it real, like if they told us in high school, when you get to college, because all, all everything I learned in uh, high school about college was you're going to go there and you're going to start um, learning everything you want to do. That's not true. You go to college, you're going to learn everything that they want you, you to learn do and then a little bit of exactly. what you want to do. If they tell you straight up from the jump, all right, you're going to have to take the same classes you had to take in high school. You're going to take all that other stuff and then they'll throw in a little bit of the stuff that you like. And eventually, your last year of school, you'll learn everything that you like. That's college. Like, if they tell us that off jump, mm-hmm. I think it would be a little bit more acceptable. But now we all pushing back because it's like, y'all lied to us. That's, how I, I, that's really how I feel when I went to school. I'm like, bro, why am I learning about the street math, finite math, and all of this? If I'm trying to do this, this don't make sense to me. But it's because I never was, you know taught, oh, this is what you're going to do, all of these classes before you can even get to what you want to do. Right. And my thing is, then what is what, what, what I think the curriculum in high school is like flawed almost because it's like you're teaching all gen, gen eds, basically, yep. just to get another two years of gen eds before you can exactly. even do anything in college. Okay. So it's exactly. like, why would at you a, get somebody at a, a course at a much higher price? Why would you give somebody opportunity to find their interest in high school? Give them some kind of course or test or something like that. All the, I know y'all can make some kind of mm-hmm. curriculum that mm-hmm. helps shape people's interests, you know, base it off the of aptitude test or whatever. Have a course for that. You know, all the stuff that's electives is really stuff that might usually need to be part of the curriculum. I just don't understand why you have to do basically four years of gen eds and then another two years of gen eds, like Kenny said, at a higher price. Something has yeah. to go. Yeah, it don't make sense, bro. It don't at all. We'll see, man. Man, if I would have known, like, about all the other options that are out there. Yeah. And I I know people, like, if people do comment on this, well, you know, usually people message us separately about the podcast. I don't know why they don't comment. Yeah. Anyway, they're going to say trade schools and stuff like that. Yeah, I understand that. But when you're in high school. And they're going to say clubs. Yeah. They don't even tell you about stuff like that. They do, but like that. But that do, but nowhere near it's not, as much. pushed as hard as college is. It's not as much. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. All that stuff is in the bag. And then, and then, like, you and almost, the thing is, go ahead. You, you, you get like frowned upon by like your other students because they'll be like, bro, like, why would you want to go to a trade school instead of UCLA, Purdue, 
University mm-hmm. of Iowa. Then they start, man, you ain't even like that, bro. You're not that smart. You dang near dumb, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, it's, I don't know, bro. I'll let you go, though, Ryan. That's, I just had to get that out real quick, man. No, that's facts. And it's like clubs and stuff, like, yes, there, but, like, depending on who the club is and who's the heading in and how much funding they have, you're not going to know about that stuff because, honestly, that's the clubs and organizations and stuff. That's what's running everything in the college. That's where you're getting all the connections from, the networks and all the jobs, anything you you want to be, you got to be in one of them clubs. I'm not saying necessarily a frat or a sorority, but those help too. But all these different clubs they got, if I would have known how powerful – you know, like the impact of being in a club or belonging to this or whatever would have been in high school. Cause they used to make that stuff sound lame, like oh regardless of what it is and make it sound like it's not going to do nothing for you. Like, Oh, y'all just lame. Like here, go, go to this gamers guild, you know, play this lame card game. Like, all right, it might be a lame card game right then. But like when you get to college who, you know, Dr. So-and-so is in here. Dude, Bill Gates, that, you know, that Bill Gates' son is in here. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like they and, and they do stuff outside of just playing the game. Like they out here doing this, you know, in the community doing this type of we stuff. Like, yeah, like it's a lot more into that. You know, I just feel like it's like almost misrepresented in high school. Like it's just too much of a focus on them core classes. Yeah, it's cat, bro. Hopefully, hopefully they figure it out. They they trans, you know, transform the education system. I know. Probably won't be in our lifetime. That would be nice. But Probably not. I was going to say, that's going to take forever. Yeah, we'll see. Anyway, Kenny, my man, you about to get married, bro. You are engaged. Yes, sir. Can you, give, uh, can you give the young fellas some advice on relationships? Because, uh, you know, you're all, you're the same age as us, bro. It's, it's not real easy. Yeah. Some bumpy roads. How did you get it's- to the point where you have damn near a wife, bro? It's never easy. Even when you get to this point and beyond after the altar, it's never easy. So I'll throw that out there first. Um, and the second one, you really have to know yourself. you got to stay true to yourself. You have to know who you are. You have to know what you stand for. Um, because it's difficult being in a, a long-term committed relationship with another person because you don't know 100% what they need you don't know 100% what they want all the time and so I the biggest advice I can give is just be true to yourself know who you are and know what you want out of your partner and what you will and will not accept not cutting you off key. just just want to jump in real quick that's the same thing that your uh your cousin said episode two literally almost word for word yeah that's what she said maybe no, that's really what it is man Hey, you can get back to it, bro. I that's, just had to throw that's that a out huge there. part. <laughs> that's a huge part. And then I think also at a young age, uh, having faith in religion or God, I'm not going to say it has to be this specific God or a specific one, but just having a, a faith foundation helps a lot. <laughs> always, always. Um, but we're reading we read the Bible sometimes together. We're reading a book together right now that talks about love and how love is translated specifically uh-huh. in the black community. <laughs> you have, bro, you have to put in the work in order to, in the work. to last long. It's not just, Oh, this person, this person makes me feel that or, or this person does this for me. That's that stuff all fades after a while. So you really do have to put in the work 
to communicate with your partner your wants and desires. You have to put in their work um, to respect yourself all the time and to respect that other person as if they are you. So it's a, it's a lot being in a long-term community relationship, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. All it's right, a, I got another one, bro. Go ahead. How mm-hmm. do you, and be honest, because this is a very important question for guys our age. How do you know when you're done? You know what I'm saying? Like when you like, dang, I don't really, I don't need nobody else. I don't need nothing else. I don't need no more experiences. How do you know that? But you don't have the desire to anymore. Or when, or when that person takes the desire away from you to want to go out and do those things. Because when you're, when you're really in love with someone and you really love and respect them, you're not going to want to do that. And then also you're going to want to spend more time with them. And so you're going to be at the house more than you are out at parties and stuff like that anyway. And so it all just fades away after a while when you know that, you know, this is my person and this is who I want to be with for the rest of my life. That makes sense. You just get to that mental point. Yeah. Okay. I got a good question for you. So what do you say to those that, you know, they're with somebody and they're like, oh, I love them. I want to be with them. But, you know, I'm not ready because I'm not ready you know, physically. And that might look like they might just not be in the right headspace or whatever. They might not, you know, have the money financially to to be in a long-term committed relationship like that, you know. And I'm not going to really bring up any particular examples, but I know of people like, you know, they got married and they not even, you know, they can't get a house or nothing. Like, they got to stay with somebody, but, you know, they got married, you know. So what is, you know, what do you say to someone that's, you you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, basically, are you saying like, they're, they're not, they're married, but it's almost like they're just like together still. I'm saying like, like, they they don't feel like like, they're married. Like, like, like in the example, like they didn't basically, they obviously shouldn't by standards been married because if you ain't got enough money to even get your own, you dig, why is you, you know, get married type of thing. All but right. that's what I'm saying. Like, what would you say to somebody that's like, you know, I don't want to put our, you know, uh, extra burden on our relationship by, you know, getting married. And now we don't really have the money to, you know, because you got to pay for it and the honeymoon and the ring and, you know, whatnot. And and maybe you could touch a little bit about like the cost of like a marriage, you know, because I think that's a lot of, you know, a lot of people don't know how much it really costs to 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 have a wedding, you know, a good wedding. Man, that, it is. You know, it's ridiculous how expensive it is. I'll get into your first question, though. I don't really like when people are like, I'm not ready for this or I'm not ready for that. Because if it's the right person who's for you and you know that in your heart and your partner knows that in your heart, you guys can figure out all the rest of that stuff later. Like if that's a commitment that you want to make to your partner and your partner feels the same way, then being ready is not an excuse in my opinion to not move forward in being married. Um, and then the cost of a wedding, man, it's expensive. Uh, our wedding venue, it's a pretty nice venue. Um, we've got an open bar and all that. And it was like 10, 11,000 for the wedding venue alone, just for the ceremony reception. And you got to think about it. You have the engagement ring that I bought before and then she has to buy my. You don't even got to say the price. Yeah, don't you say it? 
<laughs> yeah, I'm not even. I'm not going to drop prices on that stuff. <laughs> you've got <laughs> you've got flowers, decor, uh, the wedding dress, the wedding tux, uh, photography, oh, DJ. It's a lot. And then a lot of people want a nice honeymoon, and so then that's also and that, yeah. cost. Mm-hmm. That's some racks. Yeah, a lot of money. But then. <laughs> At the end of the day, having a wedding per se isn't even really all that important. You can go to the courthouse and get eloped, and then be just as happy. I don't want to do that though. Than a couple. It's not picture perfect. That's true. That's true. It's not picture perfect. I don't. Yeah, neither. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta push back real quick, bro, on the that whole if if you if you. You can't use that as an excuse that you're not ready. I think you can. For me personally, like it's the same thing like with me. Like I want a kid so bad, bro. Like I want a kid bad, bro. But I know financially I'm in a I'm in a real, real right, good I'm area. Not. But I need to be in a good, good area. You gotta I, be good. Yeah, like I I'm good, but I wanna be like where I could racks. Racks and not have to worry about nothing like spend real, 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 real money. I'm not talking about like you know five thousand dollars for a month. I'm talking about I can spend five thousand dollars every week on my kid to do stuff and do this right. and do that. I'm not there yet, so I can't. I can't have a kid. It wouldn't feel right. I wouldn't feel good about myself. I would. I wouldn't say I would be depressed if I had a kid because I'm have a kid. Like I'd be happy because I finally got what I wanted. But I would also know that I made a mistake because I know that mentally I'm not ready because financially i'm not ready so that would be uh, problems that i know that i would have being a dad so it's very similar to problems that you would have well me personally i can't say you what i would have with uh, a wife if i don't think that we're ready financially i can't do it i'm sorry i can't do it because i don't want to be like what rodney said i'm not trying to live at my crib and you live at your crib Mm because we don't got enough money to get a big house together i'm not trying to do that bro so for me, it's like you can actually use that as an excuse. I do see what you're saying when you say that you shouldn't use those as excuses. But I think, come on, bro. Like sometimes, I, 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 I see where sense. you're coming from. And it, I'm a, go ahead, Kenny. I see where you're coming from. It all and it all depends on what you want personally. I guess it's just for me. I don't because I did use that as an excuse to not um, propose to her as quickly as I wanted to. Uh, Cause I didn't think I was in the right place that I wanted to be in financially. But looking back on it, I do kind of regret not asking her to marry me earlier than what I did. But why? So that's why that's why you still, you still to that point hey, where y'all are getting but, married but, and now you're financially better. So it's like, I'm gonna help. I'm gonna help Kenny out though, because you said it was an excuse, ahead, but it could also mm-hmm. be a motivation though, because let's say, you know, Oh, we don't got it like that or whatever. Like just like how somebody has a kid and they're not expecting it. That might be what you need to get you off your ass, you know. All right, I have no choice, but I need to I need to provide. You know, all right, I want to marry this the love of my life right here. She with me, she wanna marry me right now. All right, I gotta get on my grind. We gotta I gotta find a job or I gotta get a better job, do whatever I gotta do. You know, we gotta sell some stuff or whatever. We might have to stay in an apartment, do whatever you need to do. So I get both sides, you know, but I just wanted to ask the question because I know that's usually the, you know, a lot of guys that are in relationships you know that have been you know past couple years or whatever that's what they saying like well i'm not ready 
you know, money wise or whatever. But I really know I'm not ready money wise. But to keep it to keep it a Fendi fact, bro, I could I probably gonna get like some pushback on this from other dudes. But if uh, if a dude is not financially ready for marriage, for a relationship or anything, no matter how much they like the girl, they really might not pursue them like they should. I'm gonna keep it stacked. Cause if your money not right, your money not right. Your money not that's right. That's what's a piece of money to propose to. Yep. That's that's usually what it is. Cause it's, it's not that. that. That's like it's not pride. I would say, but if you if you grew up knowing that a man does this and a man does that, and then you're at a point in your life where you can't do this and do that, I'm I can't give my girl all of me until I can provide for all of me to provide for her. So I I understand the whole. I'm not financially ready or I'm not this, I'm not that. Oh, I do too. Yeah, but I get what but, you're saying as well, though. Yeah. Because if I like somebody, I mean, it's not really no, no. You know, it's just like right those girl, circumstances. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not really you know, like that. Sometimes people need that extenuating circumstance to, like, push them, you know. Yeah. You know, people be living, bare, like, to the limit, like, to the edge. Like, ah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I need this to motivate me. Hey man, it's true. You excited for your bachelor party? Hey, I I am, but I I just want more information about it. <laughs> no, no good, no good. We can't, so do it, that. can't do that. I, no I know, I know. I'm the type of person no that needs to that needs to know stuff like that. No, just be excited. It's gonna As be a good time. No, no, I I'm extremely excited. I can't wait. But I, I still want to know. At the end of the day, want to know what we're doing, what we're doing, all that. <laughs> Just know you're gonna be tore yeah, up some days. You gonna have <laughs> yeah. you, days. You, hey, you seen the hangover? Yeah. One, That's two? what is happening. Yeah. <laughs> Man, y'all gonna try Three. to mess up my system. Hey. Oh yeah, it's, it's over with, bro. It's gonna be a good time though, man. I, I'm super excited, bro. I'm proud of you, man. Thank you for hopping sure. on the podcast today. Me, we're like we about like an hour in, so we're gonna wrap this bad boy up. Um, we always, you know. You know how we ended, man. You watch our, our podcast. Mm-hmm. What advice do you mm-hmm. have overall? Not just, you know, what we talked about today, just anything. What advice do you have for everybody out there? Also, and I want you to throw in a book. Because you be, you know, you book. be sharing okay. books with each other. So, mm-hmm. uh, My advice would be don't be afraid of failure. I, I see a lot of people our age, a lot of people who are even a lot older than us who let the fear of failure get in the way of them truly pursuing what they want to do. And so I, I, that would be my biggest advice to anyone. Just don't feel failure. And if you do quote unquote fail, just use that as a learning tool uh, for your success later on. That's, that's my biggest, biggest advice. And then a book, um, a Promised Land by Barack Obama was yeah, I got amazing. It's super it. long. It took me took me forever to get through it, but it's one of the better books that I've read. The way that he broke down his policy decisions and why he did what he did throughout the first few years of his presidency was it was really good. The way he did it. It's called The Promised Land. Yes, sir. Bro. Yep, a Promised Land yep, by Barack Obama. It's like eighteen hours it's like long. Thirty-four. No, it's like thirty-four hours. On I thought it was eighteen. That's what. And nope, that's why it took me so long. And it's only volume one. He's releasing the second volume oh, uh, at a later date. I'm about to he has like 33, 34 hours on if Audible. You, it took me forever to get through. If you want to read it, Rod, you can actually check it out. I already got it. 
because you know he was he was reading it, and I'm giving him uh, another book later on. So you can read it off my Audible. I haven't even started yet. Oh yeah, I'm finishing I'm something to, else. Yeah, you know, but you know. Yeah, Wait, just to hop, I, I, I hate when I do this, bro. At the end, I always throw something else in there. But have y'all checked out Barack Obama podcast? No, not yet. I haven't got around to it yet. Some uh, podcast valid. I've heard really good things about it, though. Yeah, I, I like I watched one. Well, heard one because it's, it's not actually like a video one. But uh, he talked about putting his hands on somebody, bro. That's when I knew. Barack oh, really man. my man. Not Barry O. Barry O. Really my man, bro. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, but uh, the advice I, I would have for everybody this episode would be just to tell everybody that you love that you love them as much as you can. And I even do this with y'all now. Like anytime I end the call, I'll be like, love, bro, or whatever. Or even if I message y'all, just because I don't know, bro, I can go outside right now and I could die tomorrow. Like I told y'all earlier today, this grandma almost hit me. And then two minutes later, yeah, she man. hit somebody else. She could have hit me and I could have, mm-hmm. you know, went out into the lane and got hit by somebody else. And I just want everybody, you know, everybody around me and everybody I love to know that I love them. So it would just be tell everybody that you love, that you love them any chance that you get because you might not be here tomorrow. And the book that I have would be How Not to Give a Fuck. I think that is like easy. It's amazing book. Yeah, it's top three book for me. That book is incredible. Okay. Incredible. So that's mm-hmm. the book I would suggest everybody read. But all right, uh, yeah, my advice is it's a little bit about because I know Kenny talked about failure and I know I talked about consistency on one of these, but uh, bouncing back. So like what that looks like is, you know, I've been trying to be consistent with a lot of things I said for myself and I have been, but there's been days where, you know, I fall short, but it's important to, you know, be able to bounce back from those type of things and not look at it as you know, oh, I just missed a day or, you know, I missed the time or whatever. I can't, you know, I'm done. But, you know, be able to bounce back from that and knowing that, you know, one day or one moment doesn't define, you know, uh, the entire outcome. Um, And then for the book, I actually haven't started reading this yet, but I got this from uh, one of my friends. It's called When They Call You a Terrorist, uh, a Black Lives Matter Memoir. It's by Patrice Khan Coolers and Asha Bandele. But um, she said it's a really good read. I'm about to start reading it. So, I mean, I figure I'd put it out there for everyone cool. else. Cool. All right. I'm going to put all those links in the description. So, if you know, to make it a little bit easier for everybody, they can just click that link and get the book or whatever they want to do. Uh, appreciate y'all, fellas, man. It's nine o'clock right. on, a, on a work day. So, you know, we probably about to. Heads and bands real soon. I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, good y'all, seeing y'all. Good talking to y'all. Fellas. All right, love y'all. All right, man. Love. love.